0: Welcome to The Plain Sense Podcast, where the life-changing Word of God is made accessible and understandable to all. Here is your host, Dr. Joel Madasu.
1: Welcome to The Plain Sense Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Joel Madasu. Today I have a special guest, Pastor Dan Hanshu. He's going to speak with us about the important topic for especially those who think they're called into the pastoral ministry. He's going to give us some insights about what does it mean by calling into pastoral ministry, and also some of the key understandings to the role of pastoral ministry. And with that, he'll also answer some expectations: what are right expectations and wrong expectations. So I welcome uh, Pastor Dan Hanshu to the show, to the podcast the Plain Sense. Pastor Hanshu, welcome.
2: Uh, good morning, Dr. Madasu. Please call me Dan.
1: All right, all right, Dan. Thank you for being here. Uh, Let let uh, let us know uh, a little bit about you.
2: Well, I was born in a pastor's home. Um, My grandfather, on my mother's side, was the president of a Bible college, and so I have a uh, background as a child related to ministry, related to the church, and even related to. biblical higher education. Uh, Then as I graduated from high school, I joined the United States Marine Corps. And while I was in the Marine Corps, the Lord moved my heart uh, to just go back to Bible or go to Bible college. And while I was at Bible college, uh, I had a a sense that the Lord was directing me into full-time ministry. That happened in my sophomore year in Bible college. And so uh, from that point on, I pursued what I thought was uh, the necessary tools to go into ministry. I graduated the bachelor's degree from Bible College, and I went on to seminary and uh, earned a Master of Divinity, and then uh, later on a Master of theology. And uh, as soon as that was finished, um, I took my first pastorate uh, of a little church in Maryland. Mm-hmm and uh, I pastored there for several years, and then I received an invitation to go back and serve at the Bible college that uh, I had attended, and I served there as an instructor in the Bible area and as the academic dean, and then while I was there, I really felt burdened by the Lord to get back into a full-time pastoral ministry, and so now I'm the pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church, in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. That uh, brings us up to where I'm at uh, ministry-wise, vocation-wise. But uh, I'm married uh, to Elizabeth, my wife, and we have five children that range from 12 to four.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. Um, that's great. Since you've been you've been both in teaching ministry and also in pastoral ministry. Um, so as we go through this podcast, I have questions that are related, pertinent to your ministry, and also I want to help answer uh, with some of the questions, especially for those who believe they're called into the ministry. So uh, thank you for, for your information about you, your ministry, and the family. Uh, without delay, I'll go ahead and uh, start with this question. What does it mean by one is called into ministry? And by that, I mean, there's several and you have the teaching uh, experience in the college as well. So, you know, that some students would say, I feel like I'm called to pastor a church. I feel like I'm called to lead a church and so forth. So what does it mean to be called into a pastoral ministry?
2: Right. Well, let me me preface uh, my comments here by saying I believe that every believer is called to serve. Mm -hmm. Every believer is called to serve in the church in some way. Mm -hmm. There are some who are called uh, to pastor a church. And uh, I have found particularly helpful uh, a book uh, that is put out by regular Baptist Press in fact I'm allowed to show that on the yeah, absolutely sure so uh, this is the book, um, and I have found the chapter in here on the calling to the ministry to be particularly helpful. It, it is written by Dr. Dan Davy from Virginia Beach theological Seminary, mm-hmm. and it 's a short chapter, but he gets to the point that 's succinct and, and I agree. Um, in the most part with everything that he says there and uh, one of the he, one of the things that he brings out about the pastoral calling is that there are certain objective requirements and then there are affirming observations and i'm, I'm going to use some of his language um and, and so I, i've already given him credit so this isn't original to me but uh but uh, i wish it were <laughs> And and, um, as he talks about the uh, objective requirements, you know, it's the things that are mentioned in Titus chapter one and first Timothy chapter three, things that relate to having integrity in life, being blameless in life, being faithful in marriage and being a good leader to your children. And uh, so all those things are important. but. Also, there's the importance of being able to teach, mm-hmm. and one of the primary roles of a pastor is to teach the Word of God, and so to be called to be a pastor, uh, I think it has to be true that you are a student of the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And, um, fundamentally, a pastor has to understand that he has nothing to say other w- than what God has said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so you have to be a student of the word of God and you have to have a gracious spirit as you communicate the word of God. And I would add that as you communicate in general, you have to be gracious with Mm -hmm. grace and kindness is exemplified in our Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to exemplify that, uh, towards one another as Christians, Mm -hmm exempt from that they have to exemplify that as well and to be sound in doctrine of course and and different churches might have different emphasis in their doctrinal statement but uh, the the pastor who is called needs to be sound in 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 doctrine and um, I I would say um, too that one of the things that is required for you to be called into ministry is that is that um, someone has to call you Mm -hmm. The ministry, you know, mm-hmm. if uh, if a church doesn't call you, you might feel that you're called. You might have a sense that you're called, but uh, there has to be a church that calls you. Mm-hmm. And um, So those are some of the objective requirements that uh, Davy gives in his book, and I've amplified those a little bit. But uh, the other part of that is more of a subjective thing, mm-hmm. and. Um, something that's a little bit hard to know you yourself, but the observation of other people uh, that have seen your life or that you can see can be confirming that you're a called into the ministry, Mm -hmm. Uh, such as you have a burden from the spirit of God. Um, That's important. That burden doesn't come out of the uh, ether, doesn't come out of the, Air doesn 't come over the internet it comes from the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Spirit of God uses the Word of God to give you a direction in life uh, where you have a burden to be in ministry and so that's a, that is a spirit created desire in your heart I would say that, that what, whether you call it desire, burden or call it's spirit created in your heart and uh, then another thing that Um, is important, is that there are godly people around you who know you, who know you well, that affirm that the Lord is calling you into full-time vocational um, ministry.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It's very nice when you're a young man and you get up to talk in front of your church, maybe for the first time, or a church, or a group of people, then after you get done, some little old lady comes up to you and says, You know, hey, Johnny, I think that uh, the Lord's calling you in the ministry. Mm-hmm. Love that so much. You did such a great job. And um, I'm, I'm not discounting the discernment of uh, little old ladies, but oftentimes there will be people who so appreciate our willingness to serve that they think. That means we should be a pastor of a church, mm-hmm. and uh, that's not necessarily true. And so we need people who know us well. They know what is needed in ministry well, and their affirmation that they see in us, mm-hmm. that call to ministry, is it's a subjective thing, but nevertheless an important thing for affirming that call. And uh, obviously, having some experience in ministry, various types of ministry is helpful as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, You never know if you can do something until you try to do it. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, we don't know that we're not suited for something until we try to do it and we fail. Mm -hmm. Um, We find out that through that failure, you know, it's not a lack of ability. It's not a lack of desire. It's, this is just not what I'm supposed to be doing. And, um, so those things are, are affirming observations. But uh, finally, the, the last thing that I would say, and uh, Davey points this out in his uh, chapter in that book, is that there are providential circumstances that we can't overlook. We need to include... The ability that God has to direct our path in ways that we don't understand. And let me illustrate this, if I can, with how I came to the church I'm currently at, Crossroads Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. And as I was uh, sending my resume out and looking at churches, this was not a church that was on uh, any list that I found, didn't know about this church. Uh, But I had a friend who. Um, had a friend (laughs) at the church, and uh, my friend said to his friend, you know, you should pass this guy's resume on to the church, and so that happened, and I got a phone call from uh, one of the men at the church. He used to be the pastor years ago here, who is now just attending, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I got a phone call from him, and we talked, and uh, right away, we click, we we think a lot alike, and uh, he was just trying to feel me out and get to know me, and uh, likewise me the same way, trying to get to know him and the church through him, and so after that conversation, I sent them some more information, more detailed information about me, and uh, this particular man that I was talking to, he also leads trips to Israel, and he was getting ready to go on One of his tours, and uh, he didn't have time to follow up any of my uh, references or anything like that. So he's in Israel. And uh, as he's in Israel, he's at the Herodian, where Herod was buried. And hes I believe he was in the visitor center, and um, he's milling around there. And of course, if you've ever been there, it can get crowded pretty quick. And as he's moving around, he bumps into someone and uh, says, excuse me. And this person responds. And um, for some reason, my my friend here says to this man he bumped into, uh, I'm from Beckley, or I used to live in Beckley, West Virginia, or something like that. Mm. Out of the blue, he said something about West Virginia. And uh, this man responds. That uh, basically he's from West Virginia and they get talking. Um, and he finds out that this man that he bumped into at the Herodian in Israel is my mother's pastor. Okay, this, oh. is, this is the man who, as I was growing up in my later years, was the pastor of our church. And so. I knew him pretty well, and he knows me pretty well. So he is, he's there. He meets um, a man from our church mm-hmm. all the way in Israel, not knowing, not knowing each other. And uh, then the pastor of my mom's church, his name's Mark Johnson. The, the church is Independent Bible Church in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Um, he then says, well, I have somebody else you need to meet. And he takes him over and introduces the man from our church. I should give his name. It's Frank Hamrick. And uh, some people will recognize that name, I'm sure, who see this podcast. But uh, uh, Frank uh, goes over to meet this man. And Mark Johnson says, this is Dan's uncle Hmm. named Bob Evans. He was leading the group. (laughs) And so when you think about that and you consider that Here's Frank Hamrick, who is looking at me to see if I might be the pastor of their church. And I put Mark Johnson down as one of my references. Mm -hmm. And he is in Israel. And they run into each other. How many miles away? Thousands of miles away. Right. Israel. And here's one of my references. And here's Frank Hamrick, who needs to contact this man. And here's my uncle all there at the same time. I think you have to say, you know, that's a providential act. Mm -hmm. And that certainly affirms what uh, people were sensing at the time. Now, that doesn't mean that um, the story is over and that, you know, this uh, act of God means that I should be the pastor of a church. Mm -hmm. But it it certainly gives the, um, affirmation,
0: mm-hmm.
2: this is something we should pursue. And uh, so that's an interesting story that happened to me as I came to Crossroads Baptist church mm-hmm. that, uh, I don't think, I don't think we could call it anything other than providential. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, when we talk about the call in the ministry and, um, young men who feel called into the pastorate specifically, I think we have to realize that there are certain things, uh, certain desires, certain qualities that they will possess. Mm -hmm. And they will be in raw form, but nevertheless, they will possess them. They will have a uh, studious spirit about them. Mm-hmm. They might not be the best students in the world. They might not be scholars. Mm-hmm. They will understand the importance of studying their Bible so that they can talk to people. They will have a love for people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would tell guys at the Bible College that if you don't love the Word of God and you don't love the people of God, then you're not called to be a pastor. If mm-hmm. if you're, and that doesn't mean you're. A scholar and an extrovert, it just means that you have to love the Word of God, because by loving the Word of God, we love God. Mm -hmm. You have to love the people of God. Mm -hmm. That means you have to have a care for them and a burden to see them grow in the Lord. And uh, so I think all those things uh, come together to show the would-be pastor, the the young man, or maybe even older man, who feels he's called into the pastoral storal ministry. That uh, Indeed, this is the Lord leading him in that direction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Go ahead. so you would summarize <clears throat> basically the objective side and the subjective side. On the objective, you would say the, the, the person or the, or the young man or... Um, older man, they have to be a student of Word of God, and uh, to be sound in doctrine, and has to be a church that calls you. Those fall; they fall under the objective side.
2: Uh, correct, and I, you know, and I, of course, I would add to that everything that Titus chapter one says about an overseer, an elder, and everything that First uh, Timothy chapter three says. Mm. I think Titus is is particularly helpful because of the way that Paul has outlined those qualifications Mm -hmm. and that these qualifications are important because they deal with um, how do you respond to doctrinal difficulty within the church, Mm -hmm. that this person has to faithfully know the word of God in order to respond to those things. So there's, there's definitely character qualifications on the one hand that I think are demonstrable. So they're objective in that sense. You have to demonstrate that you have these uh, characteristics. Mm-hmm. Then there is the ability with the Word of God, knowing the Word of God and being able to handle the Word of God and applying it to uh, situations that are that are sometimes very difficult, such as we find at the end of Titus chapter one, mm-hmm. and, um, and so, and then you can extrapolate from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these other things. So,
1: mm-hmm. so uh, on the subjective side, the person must have a burden from the Spirit of God.
2: Yes, that's what I would I would say that they they have to have a burden and and. Uh, the reality is people call that different things. They call it a burden. They call it a desire. They call it even a calling. Mm. <laughs> to me, it doesn't matter what you label it, but the spirit has to move you mm-hmm. that you have this desire. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's, a, it's a spirit-induced thing. And the, I believe that the spirit induces that through the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um. We don't often see the Spirit moving without the Word of God when we look at the New Testament. He's connected to the New Testament. He's connected to other believers, and he uses the Word of God and the people of God uh, to move us and direct us.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And one of the points you also said is he must be around godly people. Now, this is because of the character issues, ethics,
2: well, he's he's got to uh, the 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 young man who believes he's called in the pastoral ministry. He needs that affirmed by godly people.
0: Mm.
2: What I would say is that godly people that know him and they know the ministry, the pastoral ministry. So they have to know those two things,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and that these godly people can then affirm that this young man has the objective requirements to be in pastoral ministry. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. It's important that others see that in us because we have this tendency to maybe idolize a position, Mm -hmm. pastor, and maybe we grew up in a pastor's home, and that's what everybody in the family wants you to be, is you want to be, you know, they want you to be a pastor just like your dad but if you don't have the, um, you know, if you don't meet the requirements to be a pastor, then it doesn't matter what your dad did. There's (laughs) not like the Old Testament, (laughs) (laughs) right? (laughs) No uh, genetic um, or, you know, family uh, connection between ministers. I mean, it's fine if there is in the New Testament, but um, you don't have to be of the same family to be a minister. It's not, you don't have to be a Levite. You don't have to be the, of the family of Levi. You don't have to be of the family of Aaron mm-hmm. um, in order to be a minister in the New Testament, mm-hmm. you know, which is uh, praise the Lord because I'm neither of those. Mm. You know? <laughs>
1: right. That's wonderful. Thank you for those uh, helpful tips. Now, if, for example, I'm going into the pastoral ministry, and I'm saying I have this call, what are some of the right and wrong expectations before I enter into ministry or maybe at the beginning of the ministry? Because I might have a broader view of all things are going to be great and wonderful.
2: Right. Now, I don't, I don't think that you have to be married to be in ministry, but um, marriage is an excellent illustration of what it is like to be the pastor of a church mm. um, when you're when you get married, uh, the husband has certain illustri- uh, expectations and the wife has certain expectations and one of the first things you, that you have to learn in a marriage is how to deal with your failed expectations mm. you know, and uh, how do I deal with the fact that my husband hasn't met these expectations I had uh, before we were married. I had certain expectations of what he would do, what he would be like, and when he doesn't meet those, how do I deal with that? And, and the same thing for a husband. How does he deal with the expectations that he has for his wife that she doesn't meet? Mm. And, uh, generally, most of the time, nobody t- talks about those when they're dating and when they're engaged, but all of a sudden, when you have to live with somebody, it changes things. <laughs> right. Come close to somebody, you know, the, the, the people closest to us are the people that are easiest to hurt mm-hmm. and who hurt the most when when we uh, hurt them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, being the pastor of a church uh, is much like a, a marriage in that everybody has certain expectations, and it doesn't take long for those expectations to be um destroyed a, a a kind of a, an extreme word, but these expectations are not met. Mm. Either the pastor fails to meet the expectations of the church or the church fails to meet the expectations of the pastor. And so in relation to expectations for a for a man who's going into pastoral ministry, um I would say don't don't get rid of your expectations, just hang on to them very loosely. Mm. As what you think you should do, what you think your church should be, what you expect your ministry to be like, might change drastically um, as you engage in ministry, as you find out what you really need mm-hmm. find out what your church needs from you, as you find out what are the what is the scope of uh, the ministry that I have at a particular church so um, you know, hang on to those, those expectations loosely. I, I would also add some things that you, you absolutely can expect at a church and pastoral ministry. You can expect support for some things. Mm-hmm. You can expect lack of support for other things. You can expect people who will be encouraging you mm-hmm. will be a challenge to you. Um, there's um, the expectation that you might want to do things differently. And some people in the church will be affirming of that. And other people of the church will take a little bit longer to come around to your point of view. Mm -hmm. And so um, you can, you can expect to uh, need the, to lead People gradually, and you can expect that as the pastor, whatever happens, uh, you need to take the high road. You need to be gracious. When, when um, people don't see it your way, you need to be the gracious one and realize that maybe you haven't communicated what you needed to communicate properly. Mm-hmm. You know, they might not be the problem, even though to you they seem to be the problem maybe you're the problem and that your expectations are not right so um see. so with expectations i guess I, I you know i would go back to the beginning and say i would just sum that up and say whatever expectations you have you need to hang on to those loosely and expect them to be changed
0: mm.
2: And that's okay and that's a you know it's okay for that to happen it's difficult to, to work through that, but it's okay when it happens.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, so I may think uh, once I'm called to pastoral ministry and I have a church that is going to have me as their pastor, and uh, it's not necessarily that I should rejoice or don't have to rejoice because I wouldn't know uh, what exactly I will face until I step in to the ministry, but uh, you, that's a good point to hang on to the expectations
2: loosely. Right, right. Well, you know, like in a marriage, um, you don't, uh, when you get married, you don't know all the strengths nor all the weaknesses of your spouse. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't long, uh, it doesn't matter how long you've been dating. doesn't matter how long you've been engaged. Um, it doesn't really matter how deeply you think you know this person. Um, when you get married, have that commitment before the Lord and you have a, uh, supernatural uh, activity of being one. Um, then, you know, when, when that, that happens over time, you, you start to learn the different strengths and weaknesses of each other. So I think a church and a pastor is the same way mm-hmm. that as you get to know each other, um, you learn each other's strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you become more attuned uh, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's affirming. Maybe maybe as you learn those things, it just affirms what you already thought you knew. Mm-hmm. It gives you something uh, different. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, when it comes to expectations, um, you know, I, I think we have to, we have to understand that um, – our our knowledge about one another is is finite. Mm-hmm. Our expectations for one another should not be final. It should be uh you know we should hang on to those very tentatively loosely.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. So so uh thank you for these points. So I think these are going to be really, really helpful. And uh in one of the subjectives or objectives uh points that you gave, uh, there's uh, the last points that you mentioned is love for people, love for God. Obviously there is no love for God. They can't have love. They won't have, or since they can't, they won't have love for people. Right. Uh, is, is it appropriate if you, do you think it is appropriate if I add that pastors also, um, uh, need to rely completely on God for their, in their ministry about their ministry or, um, so, so what, what, what do you say about the reliance factor of a pastor? Because sometimes pastors may have the tendency to take things on their own and try to lead the church that they think is appropriate uh, or try to lead the deacons or whoever that they think is appropriate. But how is that that, that you think they can balance?
2: Right, right. I, you know, I would agree with that, that um, if you try to rate your success in ministry or determine your direction in ministry just by an opinion poll Mm -hmm. People in the church, well, you know, you're, you're going to go in many different ways and you're never going to make anybody happy. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to be satisfied with that. But, um, if you say, uh, I have to rely upon the Lord and the Lord has to give direction and that it's, it's him that matters. Mm-hmm. And um, then you find your success, if I can put it that way, mm-hmm. your success, you can find your faithfulness. Maybe that's the right word, your faithfulness in the Lord and not necessarily in the response of people to you. Mm-hmm. In our church right now on Sunday mornings, we're going through the, the letter of Colossians and we're coming really fast to the end of it. We only have maybe one or two more weeks that we're going to be in Colossians, but one of the things that you notice is that as you go through the book, in in the middle of the book, Paul has this emphasis on the preeminence of Christ, and then he goes on to talk about your relationship with Christ as a believer, that uh, you are in him. You have your identity, and you have your being in him Mm -hmm. that, uh, not only does the Christian focus on him, but everything focuses on Christ, Mm -hmm. everything in creation focuses on Christ. And then he goes on to talk about how the believer uh, has relationships. And it talks about a wife's relationship to her husband, a husband's relationship to the wife, children, to their parents, fathers, to children, slaves to their master, master to the slaves, and even our relationship with those who are outside the church. Mm -hmm. Those relationships that we all experience in one way or another, to some extent, uh, to one extent or another extent, all of those relationships can only be what God intended them to be Mm -hmm. if you're in Christ and you're focused on Christ. Mm -hmm. And uh, so... As our relationship with the Lord grows, so does all those relationships. And and I would add to that, Paul's not talking about pastoral ministry in Colossians, but I would add to that, that as the pastor's relationship with the Lord grows, Mm -hmm. he is focused on the Lord in his personal life, he will bring that over into ministry. Mm -hmm. uh, The church will then be more focused on Christ. You know that, and that plays out in many different ways.
1: Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the last phrase you said. uh, Focus and focus on Christ. I think ministry ought to be Christ-focused. It is. Right. But but one of the reasons why I asked how 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 we how can they balance these two is because sometimes it could become
2: pastor-focused.
1: Do what I say.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that um, in many circumstances, pastors like that. If they, if they act that way, they find out who isn't going to do what they say
0: <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: very rapidly. And it's, it's um, you know, again, I would use uh, a marriage analogy, at least what, what the Bible says about marriage. And when it talks about the relationship between a husband and wife,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it doesn't say that the husband is to command his wife. Mm-hmm say that a husband makes all the decisions. Mm-hmm. That's not what it says. It says the husband's to love. Mm-hmm. And um, so if we take that analogy and bring it over to the church, that's what a pastor's to do. He is to love the people of the church. And he can only do that by loving God first. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't love God. He's not going to love the people of the church. They, they, won't, they won't be a, um, a group to care for there'll be a group to put up with. And as soon as the church becomes a group to put up with, the pastor needs to stop what he's doing, take a breath and sit down and reevaluate why he's in ministry. And hopefully when he does that, because I think it happens sooner or later in pastoral ministry, you get tired of people sinning and not dealing with it. You get tired of them, and sometimes that can affect your whole it will often affects your whole life and you have to stop and say, uh, "Lord, I need to take a break, and I need to have a renewed uh, sense and joy in ministry hmm. um, but uh, along that line, with the call of the pastor and the focus on God, I, I think it's important that as a, a pastor or a young man. Who believes he's called to the pastorate, he needs to understand that the pastoral call is not about him, mm. it's not about his ability to preach. Uh, it's not about his ability to communicate. It's not about his ability to counsel, it's not about his ability just to be a friendly person to talk to, or it's not about any of that. Mm. It's about his ability to lead and get things done. Um, a call to pastor, pastoral ministry is a, is about exalting the Lord with your life and pointing people to the Lord so that mm. they grow in their relationship with him and they go on to serve him as disciples wholeheartedly. Mm. you You exalt the Lord with your life so that other people will then exalt the Lord with their life. And that is... Wholehearted discipleship—they're all in, mm. following Jesus.
0: Mm.
2: So it's—it's it's, the pastoral ministry is is not a, um, if I can put it this way, it is not a prestigious position of elevated significance. Mm. It, it is about um, it is about serving the Lord and leading others. To the Lord to serve Him.
1: Hmm. That's amazing. I'm, I might code that <laughs> serving others. Can you can you repeat that again? Serving others. I can't repeat
2: that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's a great uh,
1: point right there. Play the recording back. And get yeah, <laughs> <me>. <laughs> sure. I'll do that. Uh, but that's great. It is. I mean, the point. Pastoral call is not about him. That is. That is just amazing because it's got to be about the Lord. And uh, uh, the point that I got caught on is love. For God, if if a pastor doesn't have love for God, my understanding is he's not going to know the Lord. If he's not going to know the Lord, then there is no growth in the Lord. When there is no growth in his own personal life in the Word of God or in God, then he can't
2: lead the sheep. Right, right, yeah. You know, uh, your love, your love for God, will be reflected. And your desire to know Him more, hmm. I have found in my personal life that if that is to be true, I need to—I personally need to spend more time in the Gospels, hmm. Bible reading. That's that's just me. That's not for everybody. Some some people can read in the Old Testament and they find um, the expression of God so touches them in the Old Testament that they. Uh, know him more and more and more and love him more and more. And so, uh, you know, a pastor, it's not, we're not looking for perfection here. That's, um, But they have to have the desire to love God, love him more, and that desire will be seen and and can only take place as they engage the word of God. Mm -hmm. They want to lead other people to do that same thing. I mean, uh you know in your context uh, in your ministry, you know you're trying to to lead a certain group of people to do a certain thing, and uh, if you love God and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, it means you're you're not going to want to do certain things mm-hmm. you know it affects your life, it'll affect your life how you live mm-hmm. but that's the basis is is the love of God. We, yeah you know, if I could add this, we had a um just a brief informal question and answer time at our church a few weeks ago, and i, I had uh the pastor emeritus, Frank Hamrick and i we we formed the panel, and um there was something about um, what is the greatest need? What do you think is the greatest need in the church today? And my answer to that was to know who God truly is, Mm -hmm. to know him and to love him. And um, I think that that is, that's really lacking in our churches today is who is God? Who exactly is God? He's not the great grandfather in the sky. Mm -hmm. He he is not the person who just gives us uh, the things that, we desire. He's not the one who just walks away and overlooks our sin. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not that's not God. That's a wrong view of God. And if you if you're loving a God like that, you're not loving the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So we got to love the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Loving the God of the Bible means we know the God of the Bible. And the only way we're going to know the God of the Bible is to know the Bible, His Word. That's why He communicated to us, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So uh, one of the things, uh, for the to-be pastors or those who are already in pastoral ministries in, in, in different areas, uh, would you suggest that, because it just clicked in my mind, would you suggest that it would be beneficial because to know about Christ primarily, that it would be better for them to read through the Gospels over and over again to, to know the Gospels well?
2: Yeah, I I would say that a steady diet of the Gospels would be good for the heart of every pastor Mm -hmm. um, and and every person because the Gospels tell us about Jesus.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And as you read the Gospels, Jesus says his his task on earth is to point people to God. Mm. So how do you know God? You got to know Jesus, mm-hmm. God. Mm. So when we read the Gospels and we learn about Jesus, we learn who he is and why he came. I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it, the natural outcome is, uh, is our relationship with the Father and the Son grow. Mm. It, you can't help but get deeper. And my approach to that reading is I, I, I make sure that i'm not reading it um critically if i, if I can say that okay. i'm not i'm not reading it looking for a sermon outline mm-hmm. i am uh, i'm reading it um I'm, I'm just reading it devotionally i guess that's the best way to put it mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. okay that's great so thank you for um these points, I think these are going to be helpful. These are helpful, actually, for me to see, to, to evaluate myself through, if I may call this as a criteria, <laughs> even though it's not like standard standard criteria, solid criteria, but I would, I would see this as a criteria uh, that would be actually helpful to me. And I hope this is going to be helpful to the listeners as well. Uh, I just want to take a second and uh, thank you, Pastor Dan, for being here. Or, as you said, call me—call me Dan. <laughs> I would have a hard time to call you Dan. <laughs> so, thank you for being here. And uh, see how you almost came out. Dan is the pastor of Crossroads Baptist
2: Church. You said Rocky Mount. Rocky Mount. That's um, right off Interstate ninety-five.
1: Okay. Okay.
2: In between Roanoke Rapids and Fayetteville, North Carolina, and it's just to the east of Raleigh. Mm-hmm. You go straight east of uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, you hit 95, and right there on 95 is Rocky Mountain.
1: I see, I see. Okay. So Pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church, and I uh, thank you again for being here, for your time, for, for willing to help us with the expectations, right and wrong expectations, and also what does it mean by... Uh, By one is called into a pastoral ministry. So um, my prayer, my hope is that this content will be helpful for those who desire to be in the pastoral ministry. And I hope to have more discussions with you in the future about maybe the pastoral role or in the languages. And certain. I have certain topics in my mind already, but I'll let you know.
2: Uh,
1: uh, but again, I'm, I'm so thankful for this time. So thank you for being here uh, online with me today
2: for the opportunity. I really uh, appreciate it. And, um, I I, uh, would say I love being a pastor and it, it's, it's the highest calling that a man can have.
1: Mm. Wonderful. Thank you again. So we'll see you in, uh, we'll see you next time. Blessings. Thank you.